From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 102, and today I'm joined by Kate Johnston, who's the writer-director of True Love, a feature film that you can check out on iTunes and other various platforms. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Mean Streets. I'm Jeremy. I have seen this film a few times, but I haven't watched it uh, recently. Actually, I did watch it somewhere recently. Well, I'll get into that. And this is... Hi, I'm Kate Johnston. And you have not seen the film. I have not seen the film. I've always wanted to see the film. But you are a Scorsese. I love Scorsese. So there's that. And you said, just before we started rolling, that this is his first film. But apparently it's not. It's his... Well, he made a bunch of shorts, but this is his third feature. Is that because he made this, I think, in 73? This was 73. Yeah. But he made... Before that, he made a very terrible movie <laughs> called um, Boxcar Bertha. Oh my god, I saw that. Yeah. I didn't realize he made that film. It's like film. a shitty Bonnie really, and Clyde. Really movie. shitty Bonnie and Clyde. You're absolutely uh, right. There's something here that I've never seen I didn't know about, so maybe it's his fourth. There's this thing I'm looking up that he made in 1970 called Street Scenes that I'm not aware of. I don't know what this is. Yeah. Oh, it's no. a documentary. Okay. So in terms of a feature. And then he made a movie that I always knew referred to as Who's That Knocking at My Door? But it, on IMDb right now, it's calling it I Call First, which is the first time. The DVD I have downstairs is Who's That Knocking at My Door? And that was a movie he made in 67 with uh, Harvey Keitel. Right. Stand by. Uh, he always used Harvey Keitel. Yeah. And so and Keitel's in Mean Streets as well. Yeah. Uh, so he so this is his third narrative feature. Right. Um, and uh, yeah. So what do you... So I rewatched it actually before I made The Go-Getters. Because there's some Ooh. there's some aesthetic stuff right. that I thought was interesting. I knew there was like this. I remember there was this grittiness to it, and there's also a couple of things he did with the camera that I wanted to kind of rip off or emulate. Um, I love that, and I can talk about that after we watch the movie. Sure. Taxi Driver was the first movie that I ever saw back in the day that of he did. Scorsese, yeah, yeah, and probably I was, me too. And, and I, I was blown away by it, and I'd never seen anything quite like it. I don't think anyone had. No, right? and back then especially, so I was deeply influenced by that. Yeah, and would you have seen that when I see, because I watched it, would you have watched it when it first came out? I don't think so. What year did it come out? 76. Um, Somewhere around there. Yeah, I might have saw it when it came out, maybe a year after it came out. I don't. I saw it when I was really young. Yeah, well you have, let's talk about this, you have a really <laughs> unique um, childhood. I do. And, wh- and why is that? I grew up in a projection room. Yeah, it was be- like Cinema Paradiso. My father ran a the movie theater in remote military bases, like North Bay, Ontario. I was a kid in North Bay, and my father he was a one man show. He yeah. Helped- he operated the equipment. He ordered the films. So those were my first jobs, lugging cans. And so was that all he did? Was that he was like entertainment, no, or was no. he also a soldier? That was he was a soldier. My father was uh, 
He worked in the air. He kept the airplanes in the air. He ran the hangar. Okay. But this was a part-time job because they always had a recreation center on the on the military base. Yeah. And my father was a big movie buff, so he got his licensed to be a projectionist. It was quite an ordeal back then yeah. to get a, to be a projectionist. And that's what he did. And that's what he did on weekends and he, a couple of nights a week. So that would be my life. I was five years old, sitting in a projection room, looking through that window yeah. at the light beam c- cutting through the dark. And suddenly, uh, you know... I'm seeing Errol Flynn on the camera, on the screen, or somebody phenomenal. And, and I thought my father was a magician because I was a little kid. How did he do that, right? Yeah. The man behind the curtain. Amazing. So it was an amazing way to grow up. Oh, yeah. I, I can't... I, and I, I knew I wanted to do that, whatever that was. I wanted to do it. I didn't oh, want to be on camera, yeah. but I wanted to be creating the magic that I saw my father do. I think that's what it was for me. Amazing. Yeah. That's such, a, that's such an amazing backstory you have of your yeah and i was saying how i've always had a, a dream of owning my own theater at some point in my that's I my know. that's my retirement years yeah you'll do well it. let's see if they well <laughs> who knows like i first of all i don't ever plan to retire second of all same with me it's like well who knows the state of like theaters will be at I know. you know in 20 30 40 years from now i know exactly I guess yeah. the one benefit i had as a kid was i, I got to see all kinds of films i saw european yeah. cinema and when I became a teenager, I would go to Art House Theater, and I grew up in second wave, you know, the European cinema, French cinema, Truffaut, The 400 Blows, all those films, all that stuff. Louis Malle, everything that I could see, I saw. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I saw every Fellini film in the world, I mean, when I was a teenager and when I was growing up. So for me, I, was, I loved it. I loved so, it. Right. John Cassavetes. I saw all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was my, that was my so, college years, and now I'm Gorsese just... Gorsese uh, was big for me. Just watch out for the... Yeah. Bumping. Um... And my, uh, I just started going through all the Bergman films again. Bergman was God to me when I was young. I, I'll show you later. I, I just got the, I uh, the Criterion giant oh. box set, which is amazing. I love Bergman. Yeah. I just, I, cause there's a whole bunch I'd seen. I'd seen probably about half and now I'm filling in all the blanks, but I'm rewatching them all. He's incredible. Yeah. Persona. All of his films actually. Yeah. Even they just, I love them all. I just watched, um, to joy that blew me the fuck away. He's a master yeah. of light, of camera, of cinema, of story. Just he's both, he's both uh, unsparing, and at the same time, he's cinematic. Well, and, and, so, just, and so mythical. And the stuff that he the way, like the rawness he it's gets raw. in characters is amazing. The stuff they're talking, it's 1950. Stripped down. Yeah, Stripped down rawness. The, it's amazing. For yeah. the time period, when you think about what's going on in America at that time with the Hayes production code and how everything is just I know like, the Hayes production code, all that stuff. And so it's just like, wow, it was so phenomenal. Just seeing, thank God for Europe, the European filmmakers, because they, they kind of kept yeah, the, the yeah. light burning while we were fucking around over here, trying to make everyone seem wholesome and nice, nice. Ugh. Yeah. They're not afraid of sex and death Europeans. And no. they just incorporated into all of their films. But Which is the, probably why I put that in my films. <laughs> but then you get, so by the time Scorsese rolls around in the right. late 60s and yeah. now into the 70s, we're, we're right into, uh, you know, the era of the kind of the first wave of the American independent cinema. Exactly. And he's, you know, one of the founding fathers of it. He's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That's what appealed to me was exactly that. So how is it you never, you saw Boxcar Bertha? Oh, yeah. But how I, the fuck I, did I, you see Boxcar Bertha? My father showed Street? it. Okay. But I didn't realize that it was Scorsese. I would never in a million years have thought that. I saw it when I was a kid. Well, it was one of, I can't remember, but it was one of those companies. Came out that in the was, 60s, I think. Late yeah. 60s. And I think it was one of those things where it was like, it was just a money job. It was like he had made this really indie movie. Cheesy. Yeah, oh, it was it was made by one of those companies yeah. that I think was just like, 
you got 10 days to shoot a movie. We already have the box art. Yeah. It was that kind of thing, right? <laughs> and and it was the first time someone was offering him money to make a movie. Yeah. And so, of course, he was going to take it. See, I never in know? a million years, if you had asked me that million-dollar question, I would have failed it. I yeah. never would have known it, it was him because there's, it's not like anything he's ever done. Well, the only reason I watched it probably is because, you know, when I was in college... Uh, a, D- a DVD box set of his came out and it was part of it. Right. And so that's probably <laughs> that's the only so reason I, I saw it. I don't know if you could try I'm sure it's never been released on Blu-ray now. I can't even imagine. But uh, but I have a DVD of it. It's sitting <laughs> down on the, it's on the shelf. Good for you. Uh, yeah, and then the Who's That Knock on My Door is, is, is the name of the first movie, but now it's, I call first on, is the alternate title on IMDb. I don't, even, I don't even know what that is. Uh, and so you know, yeah, it's Taxi Driver was really my introduction to Martin Scorsese. I think it's a lot of people's. Yeah. Uh, and then he also have you seen Alice Doesn't Live Here anymore? I love Alice Doesn't yeah. Live Here, anymore. which is such a weird film for it's him. Completely weird. More, it's very different. But I love that film. But it's also so. It also reminds Ellen me. Ellen Burstyn, right? Yeah, Ellen Burstyn and Jodie Foster. And uh, no, not Jodie no, Fo- Foster. Foster. Who was in that? Who was in uh, 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 Chris Christopherson? That's it. Yeah. Christopherson. Yeah. Um, and yeah. what what it reminds me of. And I might get the name of this wrong, but did you ever see New York Stories? So was this yeah? Was New this York called Stories. Body Parts. I can't remember. It's something like that. Yeah. But it, the, that is the closest thing to I think to Alice doesn't live here anymore in terms of yeah. matching him matching himself again later because most of his things are you know dealing with like Italian Americans and and Catholicism, often, Sicilians, Catholicism, gangs. violence, yeah. Uh, Good versus evil. But then every now and then he does, yeah. But then he does something like Alice and Live Here More, yeah, or um, Kundan. Kundan is that right? Yeah, Kundan. Yeah. Uh, or just these, or like Silent, which I kind yeah. of haven't, I haven't seen. I think he's I, a secret Buddhist underneath it. He meditates. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. I also have no interest in seeing Silence. I just really don't. Yeah, well, I don't I know why. I haven't seen it. Uh, but like, but he's still making great, like the Irishman. He Irish makes men's. great documentaries too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Departed, even though I love the the source material in Frontal Affairs, The Departed, I could watch that movie. Like yeah. that, that first 20 minutes is just mm-hmm. a, like a master class. Totally. And, yeah, he's, an, he's an ama- got an amazing eye, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, and so you just never got around to this one. I never got around to seeing Mean Streets. And it's one of those, there are a few films in my life I haven't seen. But Mean Streets, yeah. I've always wanted to see it, and I, I just never have. Never had the opportunity. Never. And well, I don't know why. It just, it, but, you know, when you miss it the further window, it's gone and you've moved on and you go, I've never seen Mean Streets, but. Well, the window is back. <laughs> the window is right here. Awesome. We're going to stop talking. I think there's a raccoon killing another raccoon on my roof. Oh, no. That yeah. is a terrifying noise. Raccoon I don't, know, I don't know if you can hear that on the, on the uh, <laughs> listeners, but that is, uh, that is two animals fighting for their lives. Uh, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to watch Mean Streets and we'll be right back. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so we just finished. Yeah. And? It's amazing to see the footprint of all of his future movies. And this was a rougher movie. Oh, for sure. But I... I yeah. loved a lot of aspects of it, like the camera stuff that he did was crazy. As a mm-hmm. filmmaker, you probably noticed that too. Very quick pans back and forth, yeah. long tracks and hallways, natural lighting, shooting in the dark. Yeah, mixing color. Mixing color, mixing everything, yeah. and fast cuts, and then slow, and then fast. Like, I really noticed the... Juxtaposition, pa- and then using, yeah. like, and then, like, the kind of the... 
the, the pop music. Yeah, the Ju- pop I, I, music. Like, you wouldn't think the kind of music that's in this movie would be would fit. I but know. It's like the people, like the Runettes and, and stuff totally, like that. Totally, and like, the religion. You know what I noticed about this film? It was so innocent in a sense that um, it's by the end with that violent scene. It was a bit more like coming into Goodfellas to me. But before that, none of those guys in the first three quarters of the film, none of them had a gun. And when they were enforcers, they didn't have guns. And you know, the later films, they kind of do, right? So the gun thing, when it finally came up with with the kid in the bar, I was like, oh, okay, now there's a gun. Yeah. But it's like an outsider with a gun. It's not the boys. Well, because it kind of feels yeah. like they're, they're kids playing at being gangsters. They are playing, exactly. Even the fight the fight scene in the pool hall seemed sort of fake. Nothing, no, it didn't feel violent at all to me. No, and two seconds later, the cops show up, and they're like, hey, this is my cousin, he's my friend. <laughs> it's like, oh, let's have a drink. They give him 20 bucks and he leaves. Yeah, there was nothing. I never felt threatened by any part of that. Even the bad guy that, in the end, that wrote him off and killed him, I ne- uh, attacked them. I never. They weren't as menacing as the characters in the. Like, there was no Joe Pesci there, you know what no, I mean? No, they were human beings. Very. Not, not that the later films that, that he doesn't keep them No, they were all human well. beings. But they were, there was an innocence about boyhood that I saw. There were younger, young men yeah. starting out. And these are the kids, and yeah. that's what it would have been. And it's like... Neighborhood. Because he keeps on mentioning, he's like, oh, you should call your uncle. He'll settle it. And, and we never meet the uncle. Yeah. Isn't expect- that the guy in the coffee shop smoking the cigars the whole time? Oh, maybe. That's the uncle. Yeah. But, but the uncle said, stay away from Johnny. Stay away from Johnny. He's not up here. He's a lower guy. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. trouble. Yeah, and he, he wouldn't help John anyway. That's right. Yeah, it's fascinating because uh, because they never really outright say what Harvey Keitel is doing. Like he's a loan shark, or he he, or he chases the money. Here. Yeah, he, he follows up. He just he follows up with his uncle's business. He's the guy that shows up and picks up the money. Yeah, because he goes to the pool hall and he does that. He goes to the restaurant, and his uncle says, "Don't strong arm them." Do you remember his uncle says, yeah. don't strong arm them? But, uh, yeah, it was, I love that it was called Mean Streets because it didn't really, it felt. It's not until the end, really. It wasn't, it wasn't mean, mean. It no, was I mean, of, I think it's yeah. also just a grabby title, too. It's right? just a grabby title. Uh, Sicilian, it was almost like the beginning of the mob days. Well, not the beginning, but. Yeah, yeah. A mid, of mid, the modern mid-time. mob days. The modern, right? the, yeah, the beginning of the modern mob in yeah. New York City and. And not even a developed part of New York. Like, where were they? The Bronx? I don't know where they were. They, were, they weren't in Brooklyn because they drove over the bridge to get to book Brooklyn. Yeah, they mentioned Brooklyn at one point, but they're not. It, I assume they're maybe, in the Bronx. Yeah, or in the, Little Italy. Little Italy, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe Little Italy, yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It just but it seemed meandering in moments. It oh, went it, on it, and on and it on. It is. That, that's, and that's the problem with the film. It's like, really, it's like, if you were to ask... I mean, Harvey Keitel is... Clearly the main character. Yeah. But it's like, what's his goal? What's he trying to do? I have no and it's idea. Like, well, that's just it. And that's, that's kind of the problem with the movie. Yeah. Is that it? it's kind of unfocused. It's, it's very slice of life. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with that either. There's a lot of films that in this era that were doing that. Yeah. It almost feels more like now you would you would make a miniseries out of it. You would, yeah. Because uh, it's really steeped in... Because the characters are amazing. They are you wonderful. Know? And their performances are phenomenal. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's really, like you—you you feel it's so authentic. It's like he, Kaitel plays such a sweetheart and like you know the most loyal friend you could ever have or ever, want. Ever, ever have. 
Um, but yeah. it doesn't have a drive. Like he, it's not like he's he mentions a couple of times like once I get the restaurant. Like he clearly wants to have a business of his own. Yeah, but he's not like going through any kind of steps to do that. No, he's not. He doesn't have any agency in the film. He's not. It's like he's a weak protagonist. He's like an anti-hero. In a way. He's a weak protagonist because oh, he's, he's driven by his protection for Johnny, who's a no good bum. I like Johnny, and Johnny played by. Uh, Robert De Niro. De Niro won his first major award in that role. What did he win for? I can't remember. I we saw it. it I was yeah. looking it up, and um, but I can see why. You can just see the beginning of Robert De Niro. That character that he that yeah. he played is he's so good. Yeah, we'll get into that. But I think, but let's yeah. just keep talking about the story aspect because I think if like to what you just said, if there's a goal, like really his only goal is to protect Johnny. That's it. But it's like, what a weird goal. And to, and to oh, get his own restaurant uptown, a little upscale. Because he was, you know, they they went to that slum bar. They were always in that bar where they were yeah. just drunks. And f- I mean, a guy, it opens with a guy shooting heroin in the bathroom. And yeah. it's just this junk bar. And they, they where, kick him out? Well, he, the owner, the owner, the guy that was an owner, kicked him all the way out. That was a great scene. Yeah. And it was one great from the bathroom, and that's what... That's what he does, Scorsese, in these shots. These great one It's one oneer and a long shot, and he doesn't he, he doesn't take the can. There's no tracking with it. I don't know how he did it. He just pans the whole. Well, there's thing a similar and it one. really quickly when and they're sh- in that basement of the other bar. Yes. and they start in that fight where it's just like it's just following and following, and that yeah. guy's getting his ass. The kicked. camera's on the hunt. Yeah, and it just and and he moves at a hundred miles an hour sometimes, and when somebody enters a room, the camera like shifts so fast you can't see what's going on. Yeah, somebody crazy. gets on the face of somebody coming in a door, and then it, and then it cuts to the right, and you're right back to the other camera, and then it's a two shot, and then it's static, and then it moves. Like he's really, really yeah. And those shots kept me in. I was going, oh, wow, great. those are great shots. So, and that, and, that's, and a lot of that stuff was stuff that I was, and that's why when I was revisiting it for Go Getters, it was stuff like that. Uh, right. It was also the the way they used the reds in this movie. Yeah, it was just the look of the bar in general, like that yeah. shitty bar, shitty seedy seediness. Was, yeah, and there was this one shot in particular that that it's just this push in to like yes. face. Yes, I love that push in, and that came from a distance, and yeah. it was just like con- just moving in. Yeah, and that and was went, the yeah. reference. So there's a couple things in Mean Streets. But yeah, story wise, it's like there's no, it's not, it's really the only story that tracks. Is the money that you know Johnny Boy owes Mike, Michael? Is it Michael? No, it's what's the the, guy's the name? gang the other gangster? I can't remember his name. It starts with an M. Yeah, Mike um, might have been Michael. Anyway, it's it's really yeah. just the money he owes him yeah. and and how he keeps on going. It's lo- it looped back on that same thing in different. But that's like, the only ongoing story thread. Yeah, and it went on for And then the forever. rest of it is just so episodic. But it, but <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. It's but like great even that, pastiche is great character scenes. But it's funny. It's, I wonder how you would never get away with that now. No. But even that scene, that fucking great first scene when we first... I don't know. I, I think it's the scene we first beat De, Ni- De, Niro, proper, De Niro properly yeah. after he blows up the mailbox. But when he comes <laughs> in and, uh, and, and we know he owes the guy money... And then he takes him in the back room, and it's just that first great scene with Keitel and De Niro, and they're just fucking with each other. They are. And it goes on and on and on. That is the best, and I wondered if he almost wondered if he improvised that story. It feels like it. It's like a five-minute monologue. It's about a three-minute monologue, but he just goes on about how he doesn't have the money and why. I love how he enters the bar and checks his pants, takes his pants down off to check, and you just see he's a clown. Like, he's a really, yeah. he's a funny guy, and he... He's the one guy in the film that doesn't give a shit. 
And he shows that at the end when he says, I don't respect, I don't whatever. He gets on the pool table on the other scene. He smashes it in half. Like he, he's just a guy that lives and dies on the streets in a way that nobody else does. Everybody's a little more hedging their bets, but not yeah. Johnny. Johnny's a wild card. But he's that friend we always had that it's just like, you're like, if you live to 30, it'll be amazing. Exactly. You know, That's that character. That lives big. He's like Johnny, no good. Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he lives big. Borrowing money from every single thing, and at the end saying to him, I borrowed it from you, kind of, you're a, mo- you're a sucker. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, throwing in his face. It's like, well, you... you Bur- yeah. Well, he's like, I borrowed it from everyone else because no one else would ever expect me to pay me back, and you're the one idiot in this fucking town... I know. ...who expects somebody to pay them back. Yeah. And mocking him yeah. for... Castrated him in front of all the other guys. He just... And then he pulls a gun on him. I know. And that's the thing, it's like the With ending, no bullets in it. No bullets in it. <laughs> well, then he calls him on it. He says he's, he's as the... the uh, Let's say Michael. I can't remember his name, but we'll yeah, look it up. Yeah, sure. Um, as he's leaving the bar, he's like, "You don't have the nerve. Like you wouldn't." And like he knows it, but at the same time, you don't want to. Like he's a wild card. You don't want to test him. Yeah, I think he would have the nerve in a way, though. On top well, of that building, shooting the gun in the. I don't know. He's a wild card. That's just it. And you never know what, what you're going to get from him. And that's kind of the excitement of having a friend like that, yeah. but also the. You know, because that's Kaitel's weakness is him. It's like he should just. Write him off, but he can't. He can't write I mean, him and off. And we don't know why. Then, like, there's some. He's this blind loyalty to him, and he's, and you know, his, Johnny's cousin is the woman that he's sleeping with. Yeah. And they're kind of a dysfunctional three people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's really fascinating. It's at first when he looked up at, through the window at her, I thought he was like being a peeping tom. I didn't realize they were lovers. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so that scene was interesting. That set up for that, but yeah, we'll talk about her in a sec. But but De Niro, I mean, he's phenomenal in the film. He is phenomenal. He is actually really. I mean, he's a standout. He's incredible. Yeah, because you can't tell this. And I think this was. I don't know if it was his first part, but it was definitely his breakout role. Yeah, it was a breakout. And it's interesting. Like if you cast the wrong actor in that part, you just hate him. Yeah. You know, but he does it in a way that's charming and interesting. Yeah. You know, I think that it's like if you were to make this movie now, you cast someone like Adam Driver in that part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Someone that just has... He's da- you have to cast somebody a little dangerous and out there. A little dangerous, but that is just has charm for fucking days. Well, he's totally and, charming in that. And can flip on a dime. Yeah. And you buy it. Yeah. Uh, but also, you're just fascinated and you lean in. Oh, you know? de- I leaned in the whole time when he was on screen. I loved it when he was on screen. Yeah. I loved it when he was on screen. And, and yeah. you know, Kaitel isn't necessarily like an actor that I, I go out of my way to seek out his work. But, you know, this is, this is a performance of his that I loved. I did, too. He was, a ground, he was the ground wire. Yeah. And uh, he, was, he was the grounding guy. He was that presence. And I always enjoyed seeing him in this film. Yeah. Because he is so grounded. Yeah. Compared to, like, he kind of gets into stock tropey kind of stuff. Wasn't that weird, the scene with the little tigers in the back room and stroking them? never comes back. That reminded me of of Tarantino, though. It reminded me of having that guy in the basement, the little guy in the basement in Pulp Fiction. You know, like, you enter a basement and there's suddenly, it's almost like a dreamscape. You've entered some weird world. But and, it's almost and it never those... came, and they never go back to it. No, they dip you into this insanity, and then they don't take you. You go, that guy's got a whole other world going on. Gets into a cage with a little tiger and pets it for a while, and they're all hi- licking its face, and, they're, and they're, all all, they're all hiding and standing on tables. These gangsters. It's just funny. It's and it's one of those scene. things where it's just 
you got to know that it's one of two things. Either uh, it's just something that Scorsese, a story he heard from the neighborhood of this guy that had a tiger in his basement. I think I think it's I think you're that, right. Or and or he knew somebody that had a tiger and was like, we got to put it in the movie. You know? Or that actor owns the fucking tiger because of how comfortable they were. Or just something. You know what? You're right. That actor was very comfortable with that tiger. It was yeah. a baby tiger, by the way. It was a little yeah, tiger. Yeah, they could have trained it, so it's like they're not going to be as violent. But you wonder, it's like, where... Something, I feel, I feel like that's some, some biographical thing that really happened. Because it just, it just felt... How it, do you know? If you know I don't guy, know, but... If you know a guy that owns a tiger, how I do you mean, not put a tiger in a Exactly, movie? there you go. And Scorsese did, all of his stuff was pretty biographical in a way. When he, did that. He's, he wrote about what he knew, where he grew yeah, up. the guy from the neighborhood that had a tiger. That's right. And he's a Sicilian guy growing up, and the church stuff, and the... All the Catholicism, everything, and it's like, but the inner monologue that was going on in his Harvey Keitel's head about how could he, he didn't really, he couldn't be a Catholic because he was caught up in this world. It was all about sin yeah, and, and the and the Mary is not our father. Oh, don't yeah. mean anything to him. How did you feel about it? All, it opens and it does. It's like Goodfellas. It's, it's narrated. It's an inner voice. But it's also thing. Scorsese doing the narration. Right? Yes. Yeah. Which is a That's, fascinating choice. I know. As opposed to just having him doing his own. Yeah. It is interesting, isn't it? It's almost like they couldn't get Keitel into the ADR booth. Like he was, he was out of town on something, and they needed to finish it. And no, so it was, I think Scorsese was in the opening credits and some of that footage and the. Oh, might have the whole movies. It was him at the end when they were doing directing. Oh, I'm sure they were just yeah. I'm pretty fucking sure around. Yeah, they were fucking around. Just had that thing going and just. I shot actually a bunch loved of stuff. the opening. I loved all that stuff. Yeah, to be my baby. It's it's like such yeah, a weird. Yeah, to be my baby, and yeah. Such a weird choice for a movie like this. Um, so Teresa, uh, his girlfriend. Yeah. It's such a fascinating character because she's so strong, and I love their their shitty banter with each other. At I one know. point, like he even calls her a cunt. I know he called her a cunt. I know. And uh, you know he's not taking her seriously, but yet you know he adores her. Yeah. But then she has a seizure. I know. Which he didn't know about. He didn't know that she was prone to seizures. I and heard, then yeah. Leaves her with this little old lady that lives in the building, and then doesn't really come back. I know. They go see a movie. I mean, they deal with all the stuff in the bar, then they go see a movie, now, I thought, and then they pick her up. I thought there was a reference to her having fits earlier. That's what I thought I heard. That's my take on I that I think film. there is, yeah. yeah. But he seemed... He put his hand in her mouth. He knew enough to that she was having a seizure. To put her... To so she wouldn't swallow her tongue, but it was just so intense that... Those moments, right? Yeah, she was great in that moment. And uh, and full full nudity with her. Yeah. <laughs> it's like for the for nineteen seventy three. I mean, when this was made, it's they did a lot of stuff. You can tell it was the new cinema of America because that's not like anything. Yeah. You know, that was really breakout cinema during that time. And it was and and what I like about that nudity in particular in this movie is just like that just felt realistic. Very realistic. It felt like yeah, it's like the the sheet dropped down. She. Wouldn't have, you know, it's not this L-shaped blanket that's no. perfectly hiding No, and she got things. up and she walked around naked. And she looked. had that tan line. She, I loved her tan line, and I not, but she didn't have one for her bra. She just no. had one for her bikini bottom. So, so you just knew that she bathed with just her bikini bottom on, sunbathed. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, that was obvious, and you went, wow, beautiful, this beautiful woman standing there from the back. You're looking at her from the back, and you're doing the same thing I'm doing. You're like, nice tan, bikini. What a tan line. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's but it's also it says something with the character, it but it's also just feels it just feels natural and real. Was, yeah. And that's what and I appreciate nudity that does that. I wonder about the script. I wonder how close to it the actors were. I wonder if any part was improvised. Do you know the history of that? No, I don't. Because I don't. Um, well, and then and in the credits, it's story by Scorsese, and then he co-wrote it with somebody. He co-wrote it with another guy, yeah. I saw yeah, that. so who knows? And in just the way it's, it's structured narratively, it feels like they probably had an extra hour of footage, too. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't. And maybe, you know, he, you know he's not working with Thomas Shoemaker yet at this point in his career as his long... Long-term, Long-term editor. editor, yeah. So it's like he is just probably figuring some shit out on his own. Too. I, it felt like he was figuring shit out on set. So it could have been the kind of thing where it's like <laughs> there was there's all this other footage that they come through and and did this, or they just shot everything and he didn't. You know, he wasn't precious about cutting it down. Yeah, that's why we have all these extra pieces. I think so. The pool hall just went on and on and on with those fight scenes, and they just kept going on and on and on, and there was no, almost no structure to it. And then you think somebody is gonna like somebody's gonna take a one of the balls and start smashing, like Joe Pesci if he was in that film. Yeah, he would take one of those pool balls and he would smash a guy's brains in. But none of it felt violent to me. It just felt like soft kicking and a little punching and jumping around like a bunch of orangutans. Yeah. And at the end, they have a drink, and then they start over again. It's a little comedic. It was pretty comedic. But then you know? it escalates again because yes, Johnny Boy just can't. He well, he, he just needs chaos. He, he's fueled by it. He did, and he's also truthful. He said, "No, you're an asshole." Yeah, which that guy. guy was. Yeah, he was an asshole. He said, "No, you're an asshole. I'm not going to drink with you." Like in a way, it was like he was the most authentic character. He was. He was like the fool, the jester, who is the truth speaker. Yeah, Who's but he pro- was. Yeah, he was a trickster character. Always yeah. fucking up. Everybody loved him. He was the charmer. But in the end, it almost caused his death. Yeah. Nowadays, he would be uh, diagnosed as like ADD. ADD. Maybe a little bipolar. I don't know. But yeah, a great character. Yeah. Definitely on the spectrum of something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. I'm so uh, glad I saw it finally. Yeah. And so what do you see as the, you mentioned the footprints of, of, kind of everything that is to come in, in okay. particular what, what kind of what was there any particular moments I think it was the actual structure of the film this felt very unstructured to me and I think that he learned how to structure films in a different way but he yeah. kept the chaos within the structure yeah there's always chaos in his films and violence breaks out within a second in if you look at Goodfellas the same thing right but this film felt much less violent to me. It felt like there was an innocence to it mm-hmm. that disappeared. I mean, the char- it's not that the characters in his other films are less. They're just older. They've experienced so much violence, and everybody in his other films carries guns, or it just, you know, there's cocaine, or there's just... It, they've entered a more dangerous era in the 80s. Yeah. That they didn't... That w- cocaine wasn't around here. They were, like... Some people were shooting heroin, but not them. Yeah. They weren't really no, in. those, those, those yeah. were the people they kicked out of the box. That's it. So I don't know if I don't know if the cocaine coming into the areas of New York City in the late seventies is that was. In, I think it changed the mafia. I think it changed the scene. Uh, I think it created a different level of violence with guns. I really do. I don't think that's. I think that's just historically accurate. Yeah. To say that this was pre all pre. This was nineteen seventy three. Heroin, as you can see. Um, did you ever see Panic on Needle Park? No. It's an absolutely brilliant film. Uh, you got to see it. Oh, my God. Um, Al Pacino plays the yeah. lead in that. And uh, 
it's all about junkies in New York City, and it takes place around that same time, but it's about heroin. So that was during the time of heroin, and then it changes now, and it goes into cocaine. When the, I want to say the CIA brought cocaine into the black neighborhoods, which they kind of did, um, the whole city changed. The whole, but you know what was really interesting about this city? You'll know how notice how grubby it was. Yeah. You could never go to New York City and see it. You can eat off the sidewalk now. It's so clean. Yeah. This was the authentic old with strip joints and garbage. Did you see, notice the garbage cans? Everywhere. Everywhere. Just old battered, bashed up metal garbage cans, overloaded with garbage. Nobody's picking up garbage. It's on the streets. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's just strip joints and pizza and garbage and, you know, men, yeah. it just, it, it's I, so gritty. I love it. Yeah. And you got to feel like that's not set dressing. That's just. No, that's actually the streets. That was actually New York City. Yeah. And that's actually just, downtown New York too, by the way. Yeah. And a lot of the, uh, you know, the shots of them just walking around, you feel like they just grabbed a camera and just shot it. Yeah, Cinema and, Verite. Exactly. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. And used uh, like free background. Oh, they did. I'm, I'm sure they pirated a lot of shots. They just went into the streets and they were shooting. It didn't feel like they had permits to do anything really. Yeah. Well, this is, and I I did the math while I was watching it. This movie's 45 years old now. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Wow. Fucking bonkers that it's almost a 50 year old film. That's crazy. Yeah, That's crazy. It? Yeah. I, I was thinking that while I was watching it, but I didn't want to mention it because I didn't want, because <laughs> it's like, that would have just pulled me, it pulled me out for a second going, oh. They were really influenced also by European cinema, like the new wave cinema in Europe that was happening in France in the 50s and 60s, which yeah. was very much like this. And I think, you know, American cinema before that was pretty safe. And then you've got these young hoods coming up making films, and they're doing the real stuff. And That's doing, just it. It's which like, I love. But it's interesting. So it's like, so you see that Scorsese is, is you know, is taking his world that he grew up in and knows... Marrying that, marrying that with kind of the some of the more looser, meandering European cinema. Right. Uh, Fellini was his favorite filmmaker. Yeah, you can see it all over the place, and you can see that you can see the circus of life, yeah. which is what Fellini captured. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. And then, but then, as his career goes on, Scorsese, you start to see the the, the North American form taking yes moreover it's you see the hybrid and then you see just his own and part of that is exactly. probably now he's working on bigger projects with more money and yeah so the people behind those are saying hey what's the story what's the you know not that there isn't here it's it's interesting because it's like the movie works because the characters are so strong you know there's an offense authenticity to it yeah there's com- he marries buy. he marries comedy and tragedy which is i think what a lot of european cinema does but americans tend to separate their comedy from their tragedy and if you notice this it's both he's not afraid of the b notes he's not afraid of the lower notes he's not afraid of the the no. scene all the all the happy stuff he's got in there he's got the juxtaposition of music you know with violence he was doing that he was one of the first to do it in north america yeah so i mean no he's really uh and he's Italian. So, you know, he's influenced by Italian filmmakers too, right? I mean, I don't know. It's really... I love I love his work. Yeah. Yeah. And I see the masculinity and I see the violence and I see all of it. And I go, wow. It's fascinating to me. I, I love that kind of filmmaking. Yeah, like the little moments where De Niro pinches the ass of the girl. I know. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, and, and the racism. The, just the naturalism with the racism, which is... You know, the way they speak about other, you know, uh, African-Americans, the way they speak about women is it's pretty awful. But that is actually true to the way it was. 
Yeah, and the way it still time. is in some cultures. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, but at the time, it's um, it's, it's just authentic. It's, Absolutely can, authentic. It's funny, like if you made this film, if you were, if this film was to be made now as a period film, yeah, you'd probably scrub some of that stuff away, just because you don't want. But that yeah. would be the thing that would make it the, sin- the, mo- the most authentic. I know, and you can You'll never get that again, and you'll never get the grubbiness of the streets because that they don't exist like that anymore. No, you'd have to set deck them to look like that. No, you got to pay for that. Yeah, you'd have to pay. <laughs> You'd have to pay for people to put garbage on the streets. Yeah, because this feels like like a, a cheap film in a lot of ways. It does. It feels like a really low budget film. Yeah, I don't mean cheap in, in, in a way that they, because there's production value all over it. All over it. But especially like in that hydrant, like the thing I the, the, when that hydrant's blasting up uh, out of the ground. Yeah, and I was like, how did they get cinematic. away with that? That's cinematic. Um, that ending, that over the bridge thing, and that coming by, that was great. Yeah, because you and buy her it. arm through the window. Oh, that's the I forgot about that part. <laughs> Sorry to remind you. That was like I thought. I, I thought is she dead? Well, like, what is wh- that? And that's and then I, I, for, I for a second I forgot. Move. I'm like, oh fuck. Did Teresa die? The I know. Did she die? And then I saw her arm, and then I thought, is she going to die? But she was okay. Yeah, they were all okay. They were all. Well, I don't well, know. He was shot Johnny, in the neck. I'm pretty Johnny sure Johnny sh- Boy does not walk away. Yeah, yeah. He was shot in the neck. So. Yeah, but they don't specifically show like him being taken away in a gurney or anything. No, they, he's waiting for the, the ambulances there. So, you see, that's what's great about the ending. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know. You just see that all hell is broken loose. And now what's going to happen with the uncle? I feel like Johnny Boy dies at the end. Yeah, he probably does. But and that's I think that's the only way for that to work because otherwise yeah Kaitel ne- Johnny Boy needs to die for uh, for Kaitel's character to be able to move on I know because he's never going to stop protecting him and Johnny Boy's never going to stop fucking up I know it's just this this like the whole movie it is finally the whole well, it, movie it, it, built it escalates to this, yeah it built to this climax of that the, yeah he could it was it couldn't be avoided anymore it just kept building until that point it felt meandering but it was building Circling yeah. around and building, circling around and building, circling around. <laughs> but yeah, and you get the sense that he needed, like, it would be interesting to see, like, a follow-up of this Kaitel character years later to see what, you know, I'm sure he would never be that kind of friend again to anybody. Right. Because of what happened. And you just knew that that gangster that shot him was probably killed by the uncle. Because that was his nephew that got shot, too, right? Harvey Kaitel got, got shot. got shot in the arm. I still don't know. I still I, don't. I I would think the uncle would probably be like, "Told you not to fucking hang around that kid." I don't you know. You learned your lesson. Maybe, but he's family, and that's his protege. So you never know. I don't know. They're all they're all bad guys. Well, but whose uncle is the the guy that shot him? You know, there's also that. Yeah. You know, we got to think about all those. Well, he didn't have protection though. That's why he wanted to talk to his uncle. Talk to your uncle. And the uncle looked at him and was like, "Get him out of here." Yeah. No, he had no respect for that guy. That's what I mean. So it's like the fact that Johnny Boy's dead. Kaito gets shot in the arm, it'll heal. I love how you are making up what we think happened. But that's what you gotta do. You, you know, gotta figure, no, you gotta no. figure out what, the, what, what I, will be the next step. I know, it's just, uh, it, it was a great ending because you just see them all, you know, bloody. Yeah. And, the, and you know, they're just, they're, they're, gonna, they're there. And the ambulance has arrived and the police are there and everything's, it's a good ending. It's, it's simple in some ways. Like, it's just kind of, and then it just jumps into the credits and it's like, oh. I know. Yeah. Where did you think it was going to go? Did you I, have I any had, thoughts? I had absolutely no idea. Well, I knew 
I knew because he was said he'd break his legs and I knew it was escalating to violence. I knew that that had to be the scene. Did I know it would be the very end of the movie? No, but I knew it had to be, I knew that confrontation had to take place. Otherwise the movie goes on forever. Yeah. So they were building to that confrontation between the, you know, the thug that was owed money and the guy that owed him money. And we knew there would be violence. We just didn't know what it would look like. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and that, and that's it. So I, I mean, I, I continue to enjoy this movie, but I did find I was having to like keep myself with it because it was, I just get into this lull and kind of be pulled I'm with you. A second. I'm with you. I thought, Oh, Martin Scorsese, speed it up a bit or you're looping back now. Yeah. It's not, it's not a perfect film by any means. It's, it's definitely, but boy, there's a lot of great stuff in there though. Yeah, a lot of great stuff, but it could use uh, Thelma Shoemaker's... Uh, editing. Editing. Oh, no, it could have chopped half an hour off that film. Easily. Yeah, easily. Easily yeah. half Because how long was that film? It's just it's like a few minutes shy of two hours. Yeah, that could have been easily... And over. it feels like two and a half. It feels like two and a half. Where his later movies, like yeah. you watch something like Gangs in New York or The Departed... I've, I know. And they go by in a blink. They go by... And that's because the editing is just... And there's no extra footage. There's no... Rambling so scenes. There's nothing would, that's not like the opening. I, know, I think I don't know if I mentioned it before, but it's like that first twenty minutes of the Departed is just all the prologue, and then it cuts to the title, and you realize, oh fuck, we're twenty minutes in. But it's like what an exhilarating twenty minutes. Wow. And it feels like five. Wow. You know, and then you that's realize, when you know it's good. Yeah, it's like we're not even like through the first act yet. This is just this. This is just the setup. But I, you're so intrigued. It's incredible. He's he's really a master, and yeah. you can see that that's how he became a master by doing stuff like that, well, yeah. and then cutting, and then learning, and yeah, and then he got better as he went along. But it's interesting. Like we don't really have. Um, I, I, I've talked to this on another episode recently, but like we don't have uh, that kind of chances filmmakers anymore. No, you know, people exactly. expect you to come out and and I know hit Thank a home for, run on your first film. Thank you for saying that. You know, yeah. but that's just it. It's like, but you look at Bergman, like Bergman, it wasn't until he made his like ninth, like seventh, eighth or ninth film with Smiles mm-hmm. of a Summer Night. Like, that was his first big actual hit. Yeah. Uh, and the studio was getting ready to pull the plug on him. Yeah. But he got to cut his teeth on a, half a dozen movies before that and, and work out his kinks and figure his shit out. You don't get that in Canada, that's a fact. Well, I don't think you get that anymore. <laughs> or anywhere I think, anymore. I think people expect your first film, but that's like winning yeah. a lottery. Yeah, you know? it is and a winning that, lottery. And so it's, We were lucky with our first film. But, uh... Which we well, that's just it. It's like, it's so... There's so... And there's... But even nowadays, it's even harder because there's so much content being made that even good content has a hard time finding a home. Yeah. You know, no, you're because absolutely right. there's just no room for, you know, anything but the best of the best. Yeah. And then even then, it's like, well, who's the cast? And what festivals did it's it win? It's the cast. And just all those oh, kind of things. God, and those you're elements right. are hard to bring together. Anyway, yeah. yada, yada, yada. No, 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 no. But, it's um, totally, I totally get it. I totally, well, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. So, but, so they, it's nice that, <laughs> that there was enough, like, what, I think what, what you get out of a movie like this is, um, is Scorsese has, a voice. A voice. And he's doing something different. Yes, I agree totally. He, cu- he was cutting his teeth here. He's cutting but his teeth enough, on this. It's enough to go, you've got something. Keep oh, on, yeah. You know, you're worth yeah. investing more in. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, I, I definitely encourage you to go back and check out um, Look Who's Knocking at My Door. I am going to do that. Because it's, it's Kytel. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's his first film. Uh, or her breakout role, anyway. And it's really about a guy kind of like 
wrestling more he lives in the neighborhood but it's it's very much less about any of the the crime stuff uh and it's more about a guy wrestling with his issues with religion right you know because right before that this is this is the time when scorsese is like just had just decided to not become a priest right and, and devoted that's himself right to film. i remember that yeah yeah and devoted himself to film full wow. time and so that's kind of like his his mission statement coming out of that and then that gets him, you know, a, a money gig with Boxcar Bertha. And uh-huh. I think he, and, but then I think he walks away from Boxcar right. Bertha going, I'm never doing that again. Right. Like, if I'm going to make a movie, it's going to be something that I believe in. Yeah. That I can put my stamp on. And even and even when he goes away from the form of, like, these, these stories about the neighborhood. Right. He does something like Alice doesn't live here anymore. Right. You still feel... Jodie Foster. It was Jodie Foster, Yes. Kate was right. Uh, it was Jodie Foster as the daughter in that movie. He I, looked it up, and I thought I thought I thought it was Jodie Foster because I, I, I remembered her from that film. But I was thinking about the Vietnam vet, even though that was a very small role in that film. I was thinking about the deer hunter. Yeah, I was thinking about his fascination with war and Vietnam, and all of that stuff. And he put in a Vietnam vet who then, of course, has this traumatic flashback in the middle of the bar and smashes the birth, smashes the giant welcome home cake. Yeah. And then goes to attack this woman, who I believe he thinks is Asian. Like he, there was something he. He lost. just has a moment. He has a moment where he flashes. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, PTSD. He seems like a really happy guy. He's got a silver cross, and all you need to see is Vietnam. You can see it literally in thirty seconds. Yeah, and and, and that's what the brilliance of Scorsese in that moment, because you, that's all it is, and it's absolutely riveting and chaotic. But you could have cut that scene out of the movie, and you'd never. He'd never need it. You'd but that led it. to him doing his other work, his other stuff, some of his other, you know, scenes. And yeah. yeah well, he learned how to integrate that stuff. Yeah. More. I mean, now you'd, he'd probably, you'd find a way to, to tie that into one of the bigger characters. Maybe that would be Johnny Boy. Yeah. Is he's a vet. Yeah. And that's part of the reason, that's part of the reason why he has his issues. Right. You know, or something, you, you'd tie that into the story just to make it less of a, just episodic moment that you yeah. can pull out. Even that... Because Scorsese did the, the Deer Hunter, right? No, it was Michael Cimino. Oh, see? I'm wrong. It was Michael Cimino. That's what confused yeah. me there. Yeah. Um, but even, like, you get the, that mo- that scene with uh, the drunk Keith... I think it's Keith Carradine. Yeah. Um, oh, my and, God. And, the, yeah. And he gets shot up, and it's like, who was that? But I think that's just to introduce... I mean, what the, that one does have a function in terms of the story, because... We need to set up the idea that there's violence in this world. Yeah. And also the violence felt random. Yeah. And chaotic. But that's, I think, honest to the world, Very honest, because that's a whole other movie that could have been his son. I I was, what you do is you start, it's a Rorschach test, you start projecting. What is the relationship here? Was that his drunk father and he just... Was furious with him because... Or something that owes money or what's money or, you know, it just, yeah... Oh my God, I love films so much. Yeah. Do you find as a filmmaker that you watch all of the shots? Because I do. I, I watch, like when I'm riveting, when I'm really watching, sometimes I'll go, oh, wow, yeah, that's I think, interesting. I think, I mean, when something's really great, it all just disappears. Yeah. And I'm just caught up in it. Yeah. And it's, and it's on revisiting yeah. that, uh, that you start going, oh, there's this. Or things just kind of like, st- I find I just have like a photographic memory for... For a lot of movies, 
and just moments that I can pull out. So if I'm like creating a lookbook or, right. or doing stuff like that, yeah, I, it's easy enough for me at least to go. I'm pretty sure it's this movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I think with uh, some of the stuff, it was like, but also you know, Scorsese repeats a lot of the stuff he does. In he terms does of style. He, yeah, he does. Uh, but I but I remember like the Reds in this movie, and I oh, remember yeah, the, the Reds are incredible. I remember that great. shitty shitty bar. I know. I love that shitty bar. Yeah. So. Uh, but sorry, your question. Well, yeah, I mean, I so I I definitely notice. I mean, I I kind of yeah, like the great films just. I try to let a film just wash over me the first time. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, if it's doing its job, I'm not noticing the structure of the form, and it's only upon a rewatch and a study of it that you start going, "Oh, these are the this is where he's doing this or he's doing that." Uh, but with a movie like this, I like to sit back and go, what is the story? There is a story there. He's following something. <laughs> and you have to go, oh, it's just about Johnny Boy, the money Johnny Boy owes. It's a day in the life, really. It really is. It's so slice of life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, ultimately it's enough, but you could have carved away some other things. But that's why I did start noticing the shots, because it was meandering. And then I started to notice what he was doing to speed up the shots or the angles or uh, how he was pacing Every scene, and and I was enjoying that. By the way, technically, I was just enjoying it. And, yeah. And where I was brought in emotionally at times, I found my body leaning forward, and I wasn't looking at the shots at all. I was just sort of in in that moment, but I was in and out of it emotionally because of that. And also, I didn't care about the characters. I cared about them, but you know what I mean. I didn't. If they died, it was. It's not like. Dude, I don't know. Well, if that's not good. No, no, no. I mean, you're I, supposed to care about the characters, Kate. I, I, I know. I sound like an asshole. I do care about the characters, but yeah. I almost expected that it would be violence at some point. And, and because he already set up the Vietnam guy and the boy in the bathroom shooting randomly, I thought he's entered. He's introduced chaos into this film, and so there's a part of me that went, "Well, any, anybody could kind of die." It is, and it's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just something I was aware of. Well, it's almost a right rite of passage movie. And that yeah. it's almost like you need someone to die at the end for them to move on to the next stage of life. Right. You know, we, we mentioned a little earlier, I think, I think, I think that is the point of it is like, they need, yeah. it's a coming of age kind it, of story. For it was coming of age. character having to kind of let go of these toxic relationships that he's held up and just really, just really the one, uh, you know. They were so they were so young in it when you think about it. Oh, they're babies in this movie. I know, and that's just that's the innocence that I found about this film. Yeah. About the negotiation of trying to pay off debt and there was just a lot of back and forth around they were dancing a lot around each other and it was a sweetness with their friendship and you know, nobody was trying to be bad. They were just good guys in a way. Yeah. Just doing their jobs or trying to figure out how to work the street, which was mean. Yeah. <laughs> The meanest of all the streets. <laughs> uh, so yeah, any final final thoughts? No, I really, I'm thank you so much for showing this. I I can't believe I have never seen it before, and uh, I'm thrilled that yeah. I saw it. I'm really happy that I saw it. I've still got a couple a couple of Scorsese black holes. Um, not many though. It's mostly I think I got a couple. Silence for sure is one. I'd have to look up the list. Yeah, I haven't seen Silence. I haven't seen all of his dogs. Nope. I haven't seen all of his docs. I've seen his doc on the Rolling Stones. I've seen a few, and I saw his doc on... We did another one on... Was it Neil Young? Who did he do it on? He did a doc. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that one. 
But uh, I, think, I mean, uh, he's just one of those guys that it's, you know that when you sit down, no matter what, you're going to be entertained. You're going to be safe in his hands. Yeah, you're and you're, entertained because that's he's a good director. Yeah, and if and for those storyteller for those who have a masterclass subscription, or or have been curious about it all, the one that he does is quite great. I would like to do his. I don't, but I, I do you do the master classes, some of them? Yeah, I got lucky in that I was an early adopter on it. And so I so back when they first started up, it was just uh, an a la carte system, so you just bought the courses you wanted. Right. Uh and then within the first year, I believe they then uh offered a subscription so you could pay right. uh a couple hundred bucks and then be able to look at any of them. Right. And I had bought enough of them by that point. I think I'd bought in two or three that they gave me uh, the year for free. Wow. And then they gave me a second year for free because I had made enough referrals or something. Somehow wow. I got two years subscription. <coughs> wow. For, How much is it now? I think it's around 270 Canadian a year, which is not nothing. It's not cheap. Yeah. But I would argue it's like some of them... I worry that now they're churning them out a lot faster. You feel like, yeah. oh, how I gotta say, I just started doing the Spike Lee one. Yeah. And it feels kind of unstructured and kind of like it's just like, hey, Spikey's gonna give us three days to sit down and just ramble, and then we'll try to make something of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I I won't shit on too much because well, I. What's just, your favorite one? Or a few. The Scorsese one's great. Yeah. Um, I feel like that one's worth the money. Yeah. But um, and. The, I, the Ron Howard one's really, really interesting. Yes, that's the other one I wanted he, to Because Ron Howard also does this series of um, staging where he's actually got actors and camera operators and right. he's showing you how, you know, multiple ways to stage the same scene. Right. Wow. And that was a really fascinating thing to, to look, just to, to I'm see gonna, how, I'm going to do it. How he approaches. That one's really, really great. Um uh, the, the, yeah, there's a couple and there's, but there's like, there's a ton, there's like cooking ones or I know ones. there are cooking ones. So it's, you know, so that's, that's interesting. I did the, um, I enjoyed the Aaron Sorkin one quite a bit. Yeah. I also did the Shonda Rhimes one. I really like that. Yeah. Good. I did, uh, David Mamet. Uh, I want to do the Judy Bloom one. Oh yeah. I don't know why. And Margaret Atwood has no. Did Atwood Margaret Atwood, she has one. Yeah. 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 I mean, everybody is just like everybody's doing one now. You're right. But that's where Judd Apatow's is quite good. The comedy oh, one. Oh good. Steve Martin's is kind of fun. Uh, but and, and those are the ones still when they were like they. But the, the Spike Lee one, I've just found like oh, it feels like he's just kind of rambling. It doesn't feel like a class so much as it does. Kind of an informal. Uh, Q&A type thing. Oh, uh, It's okay, not, though. It's, yeah. not, it's not terrible. I, 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 I should, it's, I've only watched a couple of them. He's finally been nominated for an Oscar. He got nominated. No, he got nominated for Malcolm X. And oh, did he? Wait he's, a minute. Or J, not JFK. That wasn't him. He uh, didn't do the right thing, but he never got nominated for that. No, no, he wasn't yeah. nominated for doing it. Right. No. I feel like I, gotta, I could be wrong about it, but I feel like he was nominated for Malcolm X. I just read today that he's never been nominated for an Oscar, and that's why for the first time. But I could be totally wrong. No, no, you could be right. I, I'm gonna look this up. I, I, you... I just hit the papers today, and I just feels... and I was shocked by that because I could have. I just assumed he, he had been nominated. Well, I feel like that movie must have been nominated, but maybe he wasn't. Um, we can look this up. The internet will tell us he's been nominated for five Oscars. Oh no, 
But Klansman was nominated for... So wait a minute, Spike Lee's been nominated? He was nominated for writing for Do the Right Thing. Right, but he's never been nominated as a director, has he? I guess not. I thought he was for Malcolm X. Huh. Fascinating. Well, there you go. But he was nominated for writing for Do the Right Thing. So there's that. But I'm curious. So Malcolm X was nominated for... uh, Denzel was nominated and costume design. So there's that. Malcolm X is also a movie I think I haven't seen. If I have, I don't remember it. I've seen Malcolm I just remember X, yeah. the Plymouth Rock speech. Oh, yeah. Plymouth Rock. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. <laughs> yeah, I just remember that because I was in every trailer and poster. and. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sure yeah, I saw that movie when it came out. But do the right thing. Now we're on Spike Lee, but a totally different person. But I, uh, That's okay. He's a, New York, loved, he's a New York filmmaker. I love Do the Right Thing. That was a movie that I saw on the big screen. I made a point of seeing it and... I loved it. Do the Right Thing is great. And it's the it's a movie really that um, I had seen it already. I watched that in high school um, when I was in high school. But I'll never forget, I had this um, a film philosophy course in college. Yeah. That was, uh, it wasn't even part of our film studies. It was like a, a, an elective that anyone could take. And so, and it was kind of a bird course, to be honest. Yeah. But it was fun, too. <laughs> Because we'd always watch a movie and then we'd have a big, uh, long discussion about it. Yeah. And we had this one guy in the class that was autistic and really, really far on the spectrum. And the conversation about Do the Right Thing was amazing because he was just baffled and just didn't understand why the Italian people and the black people couldn't get along. And we were trying to explain racism to him, and he couldn't grasp the concept. And it was the most beautiful thing ever because it was almost like we should stop talking. Like I don't want him to suddenly understand racism. Right. Part of me wants to, I like wants to just keep this guy the purity of how he sees the world. Yeah. Because the more we try to explain how racism works, the more terrible we all sound. I know. That isn't that fascinating. What a fascinating conversation! I wish I wish someone well, that would had recorded it. That'd be a fascinating it. film, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure I'll put it in something <clears> someday. <throat> but it was just a, an interesting exercise trying to explain, trying to justify the racism, and then realize no, it's like none of it makes sense. And what a beautiful thing that he can't grasp it, and that we all sound insane. That's it, exactly it. It was a great moment because the whole thing about autism is you sort of live in your own world. So if you look yeah. at the collective world. You it did make sense to him, and, make, and, nor, and nor should it. And nor should it. But it was so. Whenever I think of blue, do the right thing, I think of that lecture and that class and that it's conversation. Like, that's amazing. And I just go, oh, bless that man. I hope he still wow. doesn't. Wow. I, I I hope racism still doesn't make sense to him. I know. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah. Wouldn't it, maybe we should all be autistic? Yeah. On the spectrum. That's just it, man. They see something that we don't, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. All right. Well. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you so much. It was much. so great. Well, we'll have you back again, I'm oh, I'd sure. i to come back. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. Let's all go to the... Thanks for joining us for Mean Streets. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. 
You can find me on Twitter at LonJeremy and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.